What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Now, this is a great opportunity that we all have. It happened to me in 1970 when I accepted the Lord Jesus as my guilt bearer on the cross. That's when I confessed the Lord Jesus. I was a sinner. I believed that he died for my sins. I believed that he bore my guilt on the cross. That's, was, that's what's meant by accepting the Lord Jesus, accepting him as your guilt bearer. And for any person it's a whosoever will, whosoever will, uh, will may receive the Lord Jesus as his guilt bearer. And this is what John 1.14 is talking about. John 1.14 when it says, uh, John 1.11, John 1.11, John 1.11 says, he came unto his own and his own received him not. What does that mean? He came unto his own, that's the Jewish people, and his own received him not as what? As their guilt bearer, as their savior. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of man, but of God. Now, as many as received him, as what? As their personal guilt bearer. To them he gives the authority to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. This is what it means to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when, when I was with the pastor there in 1970, and he said to me, have you ever received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? I said to him, you might as well talk Greek to me. I have no idea what you just said. I don't understand. Receive. And, you know, it was very good because he explained to me, he said, well, look, you know, it's like I've got a book in my hand here. I don't have a book. There's a book in my hand, and I'm offering you this book. And you can sit there and say, you know, I believe you're offering me the book. I think you're a really nice person for doing that. You're very generous. I believe you're generous. You're offering me the book. He says, but it's totally different from just believing that I'm offering it to you from when you take it out of my hand and you take it, then you received it. So it's the case of not just believing that Christ died for your sins, Christ, Christ was the guilt bearer for your sins, but actually receiving that into your, into your heart. So that's what it means to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. It's to receive him as the personal guilt bearer. And this is what happened. And so it's really great that we have the Jewish people because they can show us on the negative side what it doesn't mean. They rejected him 
as the Messiah. We receive him as the Messiah. They rejected him as God. We receive him as God. They rejected him as personal guilt bearer. We receive him as personal guilt bearer. But in order for a person, any person, to receive the Lord Jesus as personal guilt bearer, he's got to acknowledge that he's got personal guilt. This is what the pastor said to me. He says, the first thing you have to do is is tell the Lord in prayer that you're a sinner. I smiled and I said, you know, you don't know me, but if you did, you'd know that's not a problem for me. I said, if if God doesn't know, I can give him a list. (laughs) You got to come to God that way. You got to come to God as a DRS. Not just a sinner, but the other kind, the dirty, rotten sinner. That's the variety we're talking about here. And if a person doesn't come to God as a dirty, rotten sinner, because he doesn't see himself as a dirty, rotten sinner, he doesn't see himself as sick, he says, I'm pretty good, I'm whole. Then the Lord Jesus says, you're whole? I can't, I can't help you. I can't help you yet, yeah, sorry. Because the sign outside my door says, dirty, rotten sinners come here for, to be changed. And this is what he says. When this happens, when a person comes like that, to, to him and says, oh, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. I got a lot of guilt. I got a lot of shame. And, I, and, and you are now my personal guilt bearer. I will put my guilt on your soul, so to speak. I will receive that your soul was bearing my guilt. Then Luke 15, 7 happens. Luke 15, 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. The reason all this happened to the Lord Jesus because it opened up this great door for, for God to do three wonderful things if a person just make the Lord his personal guilt bearer. And the three wonderful things that come are listed in Isaiah 53.10. Isaiah 53.10. The first wonderful thing that God does for that sinner who comes to God as a sinner, as a dirty, rotten sinner, except the Lord Jesus as his guilt bearer, it says in Isaiah 53.10, he shall see his seed. God looks at that person and says, I don't see you like I saw you before, but now that you've received him as your personal guilt bearer, I see you as my child. I see you as my seed. Many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. He shall see his seed. Oh, you're part of the people of God now. When a person receives the Lord Jesus as personal Savior, that person becomes part of the people of God, the seed of God. He becomes a child of God, just like we were singing. Not a guest, but a child at home. This is what it means in John 1.12. John 1.12, as many as received him as personal sin bearer. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that are born, that were believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That person becomes one of the sons of God, complete with a new birth, just like we saw Evangeline there. That was the first thing. Second wonderful thing that happen, happens when a, when a person does that is Isaiah 53.10, he, God, he shall prolong his days. That means that when his days on earth come to an end because of cancer, because of heart failure, because of an accident or just old age or whatever, that John 11.25 kicks in. John 11.25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, and that's the word into, he that believeth into me, Though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth into me shall never die. He shall prolong his days. He gets eternal life. 
He gets the gift of eternal life. The Romans 6.23 gift of eternal life. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, through Jesus Christ our guilt bearer. Doesn't say that. It says Jesus Christ our Lord. But wait, there's more. Don't go away. So the third wonderful thing that God does for the person who receives the Lord is described in Isaiah 53.10 as, Isaiah 53.10, as the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. That means that after a person has received the Lord Jesus by accepting him as his personal guilt bearer, God will use that person. God will use him. The pleasure of the Lord is going to be accomplished in his hand. His hand will do the will of God. That's an amazing thing. It is God that works in you both to do and to will of his good pleasure. As it says, that's the purpose for the cross. So we could have this opportunity to have the Lord Jesus bear our guilt so God could do these three wonderful things for us. Number one, make us one of the, a child of God. Number two, give us eternal life. He shall prolong his days. Number three, be used of God in our lives. The pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He cries out, from the cross. He cries out from the cross. I'm crying out in the daytime. I'm crying out in the nighttime. You're not hearing. And there's a lesson in there. Eventually we're going to see, as it goes down, we're going to see a verse where it said, thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. This is a lesson for us. When we feel that God's not hearing us, is not answering, it's not that he's not hearing us, it's just his delaying. He's delaying his answer. It's a little hard for us. But in, there's, in those times, when we go through this, it's comforting to know that the Lord Jesus knows by his own personal experience exactly what it means to have to wait for the answer. As it says in Psalm, as the first verse, why are thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? So he asks the question why he's been forsaken, and God's not hearing, and then he answers the question in verse 3 with the statement, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. That's it. That's why God has forsaken him. It's because God is holy. And at this time, something happened to the Lord Jesus that never happened before. It never occurred to him. It never, it never happened before. And it's, a, it's Isaiah 53, 4 through 6, which we've, been, which we've been hovering over. Isaiah 53, 4 through 6, where it says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And he was, we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. Like Frank Sinatra. He turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. And in verse 12, Verse 12, he bare the sin of many. All these terms, bore our, our sorrows, borne our sorrows, carried the griefs, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, upon him, laid on him. They all show what happened. And what happened is, in that point, is 2 Corinthians 5.21. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. That word, sin, that's used here in the Greek, when the Septuagint translated in the, in the books of Moses, when they translated the word sin offering, that's the word they used in the Greek. Please do not think that the Lord Jesus became sin. He had sin loaded on him. 
he had sin that he carried. And this was the whole concept of the, of the, of the, the sin offering. But he always remained the spotless lamb of God. He had the sin loaded on him, but he was still the spotless lamb of God. So, I, so 2 Corinthians 5.21, 2 Corinthians 5.21 could be better translated, but again, nobody asked me, so what can I do? He says, he hath made him to be the sin offering for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. So all the sin of the world is laid on the Lord Jesus, and what happened? Why did God forsake him? God forsook him because of Habakkuk 1.13. Habakkuk 1.13, which says, thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. So once the Lord Jesus has made the sin offering, God couldn't look. God couldn't look, as the hymn says so well, how great the pain of searing loss. The father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. That's you and I. He is suffering so much on the cross and this is so overwhelming to him that in verse three, he stops and he says, but thou art holy. O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. He finds time to praise the Lord while he's suffering. So he says to God that you are living, inhabit us, the praise of Israel, you are living in the praises of Israel. He's turning to God and he says, you are enthroned above the songs of Israel. This is the Hebrew word here when it says, uh, inhabit us, the praises of Israel, that word tehillah, tehillah in Hebrew means song. So what he's saying here is that you are enthroned above the songs of Israel. Angels sing to God, but no, God loves to hear the songs of Israel, and he lives over the songs of Israel. That, that song, that, that, that all-important song that, that after the Egyptians were destroyed in the Red Sea, and Moses couldn't contain himself, and he starts singing a song, and, and Miriam, his sister, takes up a timbrel, and she starts singing a song. And the song that Moses sang in Exodus 15.1 is then saying Moses and the children of Israel, this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider have he thrown into the sea. The Lord's my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. He's my God. I will prepare him a habitation. My father's God. I will exalt him. The Lord's a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also he drowned in the Red Sea. The depths covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency hast thou overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which are consumed them as stubble. With the blast of thy nostrils, the water was gathered together. The flood stood upright as a heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I'll draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. Thou didst blow with thy wind, the sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. Who's like unto thee, O God, among the gods? Who's like unto thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Thou stretchest out thy right hand, the earth swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth thy people, which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength into thy holy habitation. That's a song. And God says he loves to live above those songs. And this is what he's saying here in verse 3. The, 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 the Lord, uh, O thou that inhabitest, that lives above, that praises the songs of Israel. Of all the places that God could choose for his home, he chooses the place where the Jewish people are. In Psalm 132, verse 13, 
Psalm 132, verse 13, it says, The Lord hath chosen Zion. He hath desired it for his habitation. That means God said, I'm going to live there. That's my choice of where I'm going to live. This is my rest forever, God says. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. I will also clothe her priests with salvation. Her saints shall shout aloud for joy. There will I make the horn of David to bud. I have ordained a lamp for mine anointed. His enemies will I clothe with shame, but upon himself shall his crown flourish. Yeah, it's a wonderful, praise the Lord. Let's clap and give God a hand. Great thing, amen. He's praised by angels, but he loves to dwell in Israel. And then as the Lord now is in extreme agony, he continues his praise to God in verse four. In verse four, he says, our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and thou didst deliver them. He is being, at this point, totally, 100% rejected by the Jewish people. They have said, let his blood be on us and our children. Crucify him, crucify him. We'll have a murderer, uh, Barabbas, instead of him. And what does he do when he's rejected? He, he identifies with them and says, our fathers, our fathers. Kind of reminds me of myself. When, when, but I didn't go through the cross. I wasn't crucified, but... When the Jewish people, well, they treated me the way they treated me, I said, that's it. I give up. Sign me up for the University of Goy, the University of Gentilism. I will get my degree, and I will be a full-fledged Gentile. That's it. I'm finished. It's done. My pastor at that time, who was the superintendent of the San Diego Hebrew Mission, who, before he was saved, was an Irish Catholic and spoke with an Irish Catholic accent, Boston Irish Catholic accent, and he said to me, I don't understand you. And he said, he said to me, if I can spend three hours a day in prayer for the Jewish people, which he did, if I can spend three hours a day and cry for them, what's wrong with you? Well, it kind of got to me. And so then I said, okay, then cancel my, my enrollment in the University of Gentilism, and I will continue to go and to reach my Jewish people, my Jewish people. Some years ago, there was a there was a lady, an irate, a Jewish lady who called. Somehow it came to, to Jim McDonald's phone. And uh, he works in inventory, but you know, he got this message. And she was just irate. And she was yelling at him short. He says, Tom Cantor, she says, she said, he's not a Jew, he's not a Jew. And then she went like this, he's a, he's a, he's a Christian. <laughs> we had a court case some time ago, and the, the, the lawyer put me on the stand and was trying to make me incredible to the jury, and says, are you a Christian or a Jew? That's the way she said. And I said, I'm a Jew. Because <laughs> when you say Christian, that's just too big a net out there. You're going to come up with a lot of strange fish in that one, but anyway. <laughs> but the Lord Jesus, in what happened to him, what is so amazing is what it says in John 1.11, as we said, John 1.11, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave you power. What's so great about that scripture is what it does not say. He, it does not say, he came unto his own, and his own received him not, so he rejected his own and replaced them with the Gentiles. It doesn't say that. It says, he came unto his own, his own Jewish people, his own Jewish people received him not, but... There was a small remnant, a little small group of his own Jewish people. They were kind of strange fishermen or whatever, and they received him. And so then that little group, he says, okay, now you be the sons of God. 
I'll give you the power to be the sons of God. I wanted to do it for all of them, but they'll reject me. So, but you, okay. And even though his own Jewish people have rejected him and are watching him here now suffer and die on the cross, he is still not rejecting them. He is still calling the Jewish fathers our fathers. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted and thou didst deliver them. This is in the middle of his greatest suffering that any man could possibly endure and he is owning the Jewish fathers as his own and he's praising the Lord, which shows how, how we are to endure suffering. He's giving us a pattern here. He's saying that, he's showing us that when we suffer, try praise. Just praise the Lord. It will make a way. It'll make a way out. Praise the Lord for his goodness. Praise the Lord for his faithfulness. Well, who are these Jewish fathers that he's talking about? Who is he thinking about? He says, our fathers. Well, he's thinking about Abraham. Abraham, and how Abraham was in plenty of trouble in Egypt. He lied about Sarah being his sister. He lost Sarah as a result of that. And how God delivered Abraham from losing Sarah by plaguing a whole country and Pharaoh at the top with great plagues because he had Abraham's wife. He's thinking about Isaac and how Isaac was under plenty of trouble as we've seen underneath the sacrificial knife of Abraham who was about to kill him when God told Abraham, don't kill Isaac don't do anything to him. And, and Isaac trusted God, and God delivered Isaac and provided that ram that Abraham sacrificed instead of Isaac. He's thinking about Jacob. Jacob is in so much trouble with Jacob. Where do we start? There's a catalog with he's in, So many times in his life, he's in trouble with Esau. He's in trouble with Laban. He's in trouble with the Canaanites. He's in trouble with his own sons. He's in trouble with God. He's wrestling with God in Genesis 32. He's got so many times when he was in trouble, but he's remembering God delivered Jacob, God delivered Jacob, God delivered Jacob. He's thinking about all these fathers in Israel who were in trouble, like, like we just were talking about here with Moses' song, how Pharaoh and his armies were about to totally destroy Israel at the Red Sea. They trusted God. Well, sort of. Somebody trusted God. <laughs> anyway, and how God opened up the whole Red Sea for Israel and then closed the Red Sea to destroy Pharaoh and his army. He's thinking about how David was in trouble. Oh, David was in trouble a lot of times. He, he was thinking about how Hezekiah was in trouble when all the Assyrians came. He's thinking about how Daniel was in trouble in a lion's dead, how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in trouble in a furnace, how Jonah was in trouble in the belly of a fish. And they were all in trouble. They all trusted God, and they all were delivered. And this is what's in his mind. This is what's passing through his mind as he's being crucified. This is what the Lord Jesus is thinking about on the cross He's thinking about the fathers and how God delivered them, and his heart, as he's thinking about that, is, is filled with praise to God. He sees the pattern of it all. He sees the pattern of it all in verse 5. In verse 5, he says, They cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee. They weren't confused. He sees how none of those fathers were confused when they cried out to the Lord. But then his heart turns back to his own terrible situation, and he says that in contrast to the fathers, he said in verse 6, But I'm a worm. I'm a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despise of the people. He calls himself a worm, a worm. That's the ultimate statement of degradation, the ultimate state of dishonor down to the level of a worm. The Hebrew word that he uses here for the worm refers to the worm that was used that when you stepped on it, it stained the ground red. 
As a matter of fact, it was capitalized on because that worm was collected and it was used as a stain, as a, as a red stain, to stain the fabric red. You go into the tabernacle model that we have over there, you'll see the red fabric in there. That's how they made the red fabric with this worm, which is, of course, speaking of in the tabernacle, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm that worm. This is a picture of Christ, the sacrifice for our sins. To be continued. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for letting us see what was in your mind during all of it. Help us, Lord, to, to, to turn what we see into worship in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.